Hey, Introvert's Guide 2 listeners, Phil here. Jess is still on maternity leave, but she wanted me to let you know that she had a beautiful baby boy and they are both doing fine. We're still giving her some time to adjust to life with a baby, but we haven't forgotten about you and we will be coming back soon with new episodes. In the meantime, I wanted to give you a special episode to tide you over. But before I get to that, I wanted to remind you that if you want to drop us a line, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at introvertguide2, the number two, and you can find the website at introvertsguide2.com. If you want to send us a message, you can do that through the website, or you can email us at introvertsguide2stuff at gmail.com. And remember, we may use your questions or comments on an upcoming episode of The Introvert's Guide 2. If you like the podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a comment and a five-star rating. Your comments and ratings help new people to find the show. Also, if you want to support this podcast, you can do that through the virtual tip jar. You'll find a link to that in the show notes, which you can find on the website or in your podcast app. You can use the tip jar to send a one-time tip, or you can send an automated monthly donation. Your tips will help us cover the cost of putting this podcast together. Now to the show. A few weeks back on my theater podcast, Stageworthy, I sat down with a group of introverted actors to talk about introversion and the performing arts, and I thought you might find it interesting. As Jess and I have mentioned in the past, a lot of performers are introverts, so I wanted to talk to a group of introverted performers about their introversion, being in a profession that a lot of people think is made up entirely of extroverts, as well as tips and tricks for getting through situations that a lot of introverts find difficulty. On this panel are actor and playwright Stephen Neer, actor and singer-songwriter Carolyn Fay writer, composer, and performer Kristen Zaza, playwright and performer Jean-Vive Adam, writer and actor Michael Ripley, and of course, my co-host on this show, theater maker Jess McCauley, and of course myself as well. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. Just as a as a, as a bit of a as a bit of a free for all. I mean, because I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but uh, it took me a long time into my life in in theater to come to the realization and acceptance of the fact that I was not an extrovert because I had it in my head that you needed to be an an extrovert to to be an actor. And it took me uh, quite a while to realize, A, that I was an introvert, and B, that that was okay. What about you guys? Michael. Yeah, um, I found out very quickly that I was sort of situationally introverted. <laughs> like, there are times, that, like, especially when the cast includes people who are, like, like have that competitively funny edge to them that I shot down. Um, so there are times where I feel I, um, if I'm in a, in the right environment, I, I can let my inner extrovert out. Mm. But the moment I, um, I encounter anything, 
uh, you know, when when you when you work with people who need to be the funniest person in the room, for example, um, I I, uh, I can't take that. I I just I uh, I shut right down. I find the hardest thing for me is I'm good in like a group. I'm good in a small group, but as soon as we get into a situation with a lot of people, like I've, I've said, uh, uh, previously, um, if it's a group of people over five, that's Pat. Like once we get past five, I'm out of my comfort zone. So, um, I, if I'm in a group with a, a small number of people who are outgoing and over the top, I'm good. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm much in the same boat as you, Michael, uh, Jess, I saw your hand go up first. Yeah, I um I've always felt that because I was uh someone that preferred to be alone that when I would be in these um creative spaces with other creatives that there was something wrong with me for wanting to be alone and just wanting to shut off. Um and I, and I didn't think I was going to thrive because of it. I thought that this was going to be a weakness of mine, that because um, I seek solitude majority of the times that my career is now going to suffer, I must not be an artist. And there was a lot of guilt that I actually felt came along with it. And it wasn't until I realized how many other introverted uh, performers were in the room that I felt myself coming more into myself as an actor. I think it's an amazing thing once you do realize how many performers actually are introverts, there's a little bit of a, a it can be a little bit freeing. Uh, Steven, I saw your hand go up next. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I found myself in, in some really uncomfortable situations uh, as an artist because I, I trained initially as a director and uh, and I, I I was really, really stumbled for many years after afterwards trying to fit myself in the mold of being a director. Um, and I was like, why is this not working for me? Because I trained for this and, you know, I have all these ideas. And then I, I kind of realized, oh man, like I don't have the, I, I, am not comfortable with the sort of extroverted, um, sense of, of wanting to sort of, um, I don't know, I guess take charge or be the sort of the, 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 the sort of the focal navigator, if you will, or at least that model of directing that I thought was appropriate to be a director. Uh, like I just always felt really uncomfortable sort of having to be the person that, that sort of watches what's going on in a scene and then directs people and sort of being the authority. And I, I think it was one of the reasons that I, I finally realized, Oh, you know, I kind of enjoy playwriting more and I, I enjoy the, the sort of the 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 private space that that comes with creating creating work sort of in the background and then um, even even when I've been in the rehearsal hall as a playground and playwright I've often found that I'm much more sort of in the background observing things and kind of speaking one on one with the director than I am mm-hmm. sort of uh, um, sort of in a communal sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolyn, yeah. Um... We're seven people on this round table. Our cameras are off, but I see the seven names, including mine, and listen to me. I'm starting to stutter already. Um, I, I, I think I am a functional introvert. I mean, I am a performer. I am a singer and I'm an actress on stage in front of camera. Um, 
something happens to me when I'm working, when I'm on stage or in front of camera. I, aside from the lines, yes, I kind of zone out who is watching me. Um, when it comes to being a singer, where it's almost free improv on movement or whatever, I don't remember what I do on stage. And then all coming off at coming off stage right away, right after, when people start rushing at you, uh, that that really freaks me out. <laughs> um, you know, and and then they festivals, oh my goodness, whether it be mm. theater festivals, I just I know I have to be there if I'm not working. Uh, because there are things that I want to see, food I want to taste. But I wish that there was nobody else on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, uh, Jess and I have a podcast about being introverts. And we often talk about about the theater world. And, and we have spoken about the fact that on stage fine you know we can we perform we do the thing and 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 people are like how can that be an introvert and then after this show as soon as people start approaching to to talk to you about this show that's when it sort of hits doesn't it's like just this it's not fear it's just like sudden discomfort uh Kristen. Yeah, uh, this I thought would be a good opportunity to jump in with uh with my feelings here uh because for me what Carolyn just said really resonated in you as well, uh, Phil, about I think the work is one thing. Um, and that is, I, I agree where, you know, I find my confidence and we all know like, you know, friends and family come come at you after saying like, you know, I, I would never get up in front of all those people and do that. And that's that's one thing, but it's, it's the, uh, like the opening night's, or the, you know, the auditions, the events, the fundraisers that ultimately I found the most, the most difficult um, as an introvert. And I don't really, uh, I know that currently none of us are, you know, well, not many of us are doing uh, work on stage right now, but um, it's been, it's, I, I sort of let that go actually, because I found it too uh, too difficult. Like, I just don't think, I think it was bringing out something mm -hmm. kind of unhealthy in me and my personality and it just wasn't a good fit. And, uh, I made the switch to <laughs> audio drama and I'm much happier talking to myself. Mm. I feel like I'm a happier, healthier person, uh, working on my own and not having that element because it just felt like constantly, um, mm. needing to prove your, your value outside of the work itself. And I found it difficult to not, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you know, to not just let the work speak for itself. You know what I mean? It's the social element that I was the most absolutely, absolutely. With. It's like as I was saying about about you know when those people come, you know, up to you after the show. Uh, for the longest time, I was so awkward when people would do that, and it, after a little while, I, I, it got, I, I figured in my head, I thought those people are coming because they've enjoyed the show and they want a piece of, of something there for them. The show is still ongoing. And what I learned to do actually 
was uh, uh, I practiced saying thank you because I used to just sort of be like, oh, thank you. Just like this really awkward sound that I would make. And I learned and practiced a genuine, uh, what I, what I consider my genuine thank you. It includes a stammer and everything just to make it sound like I'm not too practiced, but it was a way for me to be able to, to, to deal with the public without, uh, uh, being too awkward. Jess, I saw your hand go up first. Yeah. The, um, I just wanted to bring it back to the like something we've talked about on our podcast before, Phil, was when we are performing, I think what makes it so much easier for us to transition onto the stage and be able to confront an audience or, you know, whatever our connection with the fourth wall be is that we don't see the audience as many people. We see them as one being something that we can, um, um, we can easily connect with. It's just this big beast. Whereas whenever that fourth wall is suddenly broken now, where we're confronted by the many faces of that beast, there's something that's just uncomfortable about it. I, I For me, at least, you know, I also don't like being the center of attention. <laughs> I will absolutely <laughs> go out of my way to avoid that one. <laughs> and I've, and I've gotten married. So um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know that I, I very much uh, could stay on stage and just say thank you to an entire audience and dodge out the back door if I could. I mean, that, that would be preferable to be honest. Like if you could ditch your way out, do your thank you to the group and then, and then be gone. I think that would be ideal. It unfortunately doesn't always work that way. Uh, Steven, you had some thoughts. Yeah. It's uh, it, and, and it, it kind of speaks to that, that sort of the performative aspect of um, that, that's that people are talking about uh, with regards to, to sort of being out right and extroverted in, in front of, in, in front of like individual people. Um, and I've, I, I have to admit, like one of the things that I think is I've I've been very harsh about myself um, with regards to my career has been my my inability to mingle at at uh, for for lack of a better word, industry parties or, um, you know, uh, opening nights, opening like opening nights where where um, industry industry people are going to be artistic directors or drama company dramaturgs. Um, I remember, recall uh, um, having a conversation with a friend of mine, who's also a playwright um, director. Uh, and I recall her saying, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to the opening night of such and such party at, at Tarragon uh, and such and such is going to be there. And, and, you know, dramaturg from factory is going to be there. And, you know, all of these names are going to be there. Um, and she says, you know, yeah, and I gotta, I gotta go and, and, and mingle, um, because this is, this is how I'm, I'm going to pitch myself. And I said, God, that, that's so difficult. You know, I, I, I have so much mm. difficulty doing that. And she said, well, you gotta do it. It's, it's how you get ahead. Like, like, like it or not, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Uh, cause if you don't, you don't meet these people, then, then that's it. And this is when I was living in Hamilton and I just thought, oh, mm. why the fuck am I even doing this? Like. Like I've got one <laughs> professional theater uh, in Hamilton, which really isn't much of a professional theater. Like we don't, they don't develop any plays, but that's a whole separate conversation. Um, but even when I was living in Toronto, it was, it was tough. Like uh, fringe, the fringe tent, right? 
would be like, oh God, I would like mm. shake, shake. I would feel so bad about having to go about going to the fringe tent because I wouldn't want to mingle with people. I would always be so relieved by like, oh, there's, there's the table. There's a table full of people that I know. And, oh, there's someone of some name or import who's there and is talking. And so it's, I'm not going to feel like all like fucked up. Like I'm pitching myself to them. And I've just found, I have found that aspect of being a theater artist. So goddamn exhausting. Uh, and so like, and I've been really hard on myself saying, Oh, well you're Steven, mm. you're so bad at mingling. So that's why your career is nowhere because you know, you haven't, you haven't been able to mingle and you haven't been able to pitch yourself to, you know, this person or that person. So that's why you're not a playwright in residence or what have you. It's, and I, I think that was why that was actually why I wanted to, to be on this podcast or on this round table. Mm. I, I've just really like looking back on my career, I've been like, maybe I've been like way too hard on myself. Like, um, Oh, there yeah. are absolutely, this is absolutely something that, that I've, I can pretty much guarantee that everybody who's on in this round table has experienced the networking aspect of, of it's this awful. industry is, is awful. It's terrible. I know that like, whether it's like at the fringe, going to the fringe tent or flyering a line, Ugh. I have to like flyering a line. <laughs> I have to work myself up. If you see me before, like before I hit a line, I guarantee you I'm over across the street with my head between my knees, just trying to breathe and calm down, psyching myself up to do it. And then when it's over, I'm like sweating and done and going to the fringe tent. I listen, the only way I can get myself in there is I'm like, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in. I'm going to stay for 15 minutes. And if I don't run into anybody, I'm out. And that's yeah. my, the promise I make 15 minutes. And if I see somebody, if I see people I know, you better believe I gravitate towards then. And I am essentially holding on for dear life and I will pass off to the next person if I need to. But God, it is so difficult. Uh, Carolyn? I think I saw you. Yeah. Um, Stephen just said a word that just made me break out into sweats. The word mingle. Oh, good Lord. That's horrible. That's just, <laughs> you know, and, and, and Phil, your example of going into the, the fringe tent. Oh my God. Any industry event, any, even family parties or friend parties. I find myself planning strategically what are what are my moves going to be rehearsing some lines so as not to sound like uh hey how are you you know i i just rehearsing those lines <laughs> again and again and then finding myself because you know i'm i'm in toronto now i live in toronto now two years we're in this pandemic thank goodness that all those face-to-face -face parties are not happening. But if, oh let's say God, we weren't yes. in a pandemic, I would have to force myself to get to those mm -hmm. parties, to show my face, to say, hey, folks, I'm in Toronto now, and you want to hire me? And that's the wrong line to say, of course. But, you know, try <laughs> to find the right words to just be part of the party when you're seeing everybody else having their wine and cheese and it's as if it's nothing. Carolyn, I want to, I want to point something out to you is, is because when you go to these things, these, these networking events or something, 
Our attention is always drawn to the people in the middle of the room who are mingling and going around. Next time you find yourself in that situation, I want you to turn your eyes to the edges of the room. Because you will see people there, and those are your people. <laughs> and I will teach you right now the the magic words to say to your people. Don't you hate I'm these in. things? I'm in. I'm using that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, just look for those people because they're there. And you say something along those lines. They're your new best friends right there. You have yourself a little troop of introverts. Somebody's going to come over and say, what's all these interesting people doing? And maybe an extrovert will adopt you and take you around the room. But if at the very least, you've found your little little <laughs> cabal of introverts. Uh, Jean-Vivre, we haven't heard from you, so I'd love to hear what you have to say. Hey, first of all, um, the fringe tent is absolutely uh, the maker of alcoholic introverts because <laughs> the number of times that a little Dutch courage has been required, <laughs> I mean, it's it's bad. It can be bad out there. Um, I I feel almost, I think, a different pressure when I go to an event and I see people, I feel that's almost more pressure if I see people I know, because then I feel like, oh, I have to talk about how great I'm doing or ask them about, hey, what are you doing? I, uh, I much prefer to, to go to these events and be like, oh, great. I see no one. Great. I'm going to go sit in the corner and hope <laughs> that Carolyn or someone of her ilk comes and finds me and we can both go, wow, this, this is tough. Shouldn't our work just speak for itself? <laughs> it is, it is definitely like, it is definitely a, a tough one. And, and like I said, like when I go to those things, like, it's just like when I go to a party, I have to promise myself you know, uh, 15 minutes, especially for the fringe tent. I'm so stressed going into a, a networking event like that, that the only way I'm getting myself in that door is, is, is what seems to someone else like a very short period of time, but it's 15 minutes and chances are I'll stay longer. Cause I will run into somebody and I will almost literally glom on to them, whether I am, whether it's a physical glom or just like a proximity glom who's like, in the middle of a conversation or something like that, but I will, I will do that and maybe I'll stay longer, but it's just the promise of all I have to do is 15 minutes. And if nothing, if I don't see anybody, I can go. That's what gets That's me in the room. Michael. Way. Yeah. I'm, I'm envious of extroverts, but I, I've only realized this later in life. Um, <clears throat> my envy was masked as judgment, kind of a, a self-care or a protection, you know, mm. that, uh, that, that mm. kind of shaped my opinion of people throughout my life. I've always been drawn to people who know how to turn it off. Like I always, on SCTV, I always enjoyed Eugene Levy more than Martin Short, for example. And I never realized that this was even a thing until I saw uh, Eugene Levy on Letterman once and, and realized that he was this quiet and meek person. And, it's kind of in a flash, I realized that the reason I was drawn to him was because he was a reflection of me. My judgment of people who, um, quote unquote, couldn't turn it off was born of my own insecurity more than anything. And um, understanding that has made things a little bit easier, but 
also, I just don't like people all that much, you know? <laughs> I sometimes just don't want to uh, be with Michael, this. I wonder if, if, if for you, I wonder if for you, that, that, that feeling that you had about the, uh, the extroverts, uh, is it also exacerbated by the fact that so many people, some even in the industry, think that because you are an actor or a performer or in theater, that you are automatically an extrovert. And that can be, to me, that feels very like, well, that's quite an assumption, but it, it feels off-putting. What do you think no, about that? I, th I think you're right. Like, and I remember I did a, I did a, did a few plays for CBC Radio in the late '90s, and uh, back when they did actually in-house productions of plays on the radio, and um, the casting director liked me and brought me on to audition for um, this ongoing series. And uh, I've always been really good at character voices. It was kind of a, a political uh, show. There was. Uh, the cast was called upon to do impressions, which I'm not great at, but but I always had a bit of a knack for character voice, and uh, I nailed the audition. And I remember on the and, I, and they hired me, and then I remember on the first day, uh, all the actors were gathered in the room, um, and I shared um, I shared a joke, um, just a little bit that made fun of the way people in the audience get holier than thou on shows like Maury Povich or, you know, or, or of that ilk. It wasn't even my joke. It was, it was a share of a thing done by someone I'd worked with previously. And, and that was a point I underlined. Anyway, the room thought it was hilarious. Everyone, but this one comedian. And once the laughter uh, died down, they stood up and in front of everyone kind of walked up to me and, gave me this pat on my head. I kid you not. It says, not bad, Rook. Solid single, not a home run. But honestly, we weren't expecting much. And I was crushed. He thought he was being hilarious. Everyone laughed. And sure, that was bullying. But it was also him just kind of staking a claim in a way that took a great deal of confidence. He sort of challenged mm. me and... Um, to be what you were talking about, that extroverted person that all actors should be, that I should be able to just take that joke, that it should just roll like water off a duck's back and we can all move on. But the truth is, he climbed me up. Like that show ran for three or four seasons. I was dropped after season one because I completely lost my confidence. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, in, in, in some ways, I mean, he was essentially like claiming his territory as the comedian. Right. And 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 it was generally a shitty thing to do. Stephen. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you brought up the the, the notion of um, of, uh, you know, how others perceive those who are in theater, because I wonder if if some of some of the the, the conflict and, and the, the discord um that happens with, with introverts in this industry. And, 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 you know, specifically, um, I'm sort of talking about myself comes from, comes from the training and sort of the, the arena of theater training. And, and I, I say this recognizing that, that not every theater, uh, creator comes, uh, you know, come, comes, um, from the same training background. Um, but I assume that, that many, that many, uh, actors, 
um, have come from some sort of, um, you know, repertory program or, or a post-secondary, um, post-secondary university um, education of some type. Um, and I always found that, that though, you know, some of the early classes um, that I would take in terms of theater training um, always, always emphasized you know, pulling you out, you know, the necessity of pulling you out of your shell, right? Like, a, like, you know, you, you, you can't be inner, you know, inward facing, you, you have to be out, you have to be open, you have to be vulnerable. Um, and, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, there, there's merit to that, obviously, if you're going to be a performer. But I always found too, that, that as a student, if you were a student in that situation, you were always, at least for my purposes and many of my classmates, there was always this perception of, you know, we have to, you know, impress our professor if we're going to advance forward, right? Or, or you know, because there, there's always a sort of a sense of a competition, right? In order to get into the next class or the next year, at least I know it was in, 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 in my studies at York, um, there was, there was never, I never really sensed that, you know, whoever you were, whatever your genuine sense of, of your personality was acceptable, um, with regards to, to being an actor. Um, I always sensed that, it, it, you know, you, you were always fighting against, um, I, I, I always felt that I was fighting against my own nature, which is really actually why I, I, I auditioned to get into the, in, at York, it's a four-year, it was a four-year program. Uh, and after first year, you kind of auditioned to get into the, the, the actor's specialty program. And everyone wanted to, to go in there, except if you were in production. Uh, and I, I auditioned to get into the acting program and I got in and, and I, I was there for like one sort of week of classes and kind of got the lay of the land and realized, I don't want to do this. Like, I, I don't, I do not want to be here. I do not want to be doing these exercises, these, these miming things, these, these mask things, these like, like, you know, the, the physicality type stuff, the warm up stuff, which I just bristle against because it was all out. It was all open. It was all big blah. Um, that was ironically enough when I, when I said, I'm just going to move to directing. And then I realized I realized after that, that when I wanted to go into directing, what I was really interested in was playwriting. <laughs> like I was just really interested in, in the back, the, the guts of scene work uh, and, and even writing my own scenes. But I wasn't really interested in, in being performative in any way. And I guess I, I kind of found, I, I wonder how much of that is, is the, the training ethic that, uh, that goes into um, and goes into training uh, theater people, specifically acting. There is so much to unpack there because I remember starting theater school and everybody was so big and out there. And it was the same thing in um, when I was in, you know, in, in, in doing doing uh, a community or amateur theater in high school and things like that. It was always so big. And that's I think that's one of the reasons why I got the idea that, that that's what you needed to be. And, you know, I think for a little bit, I was able to maintain that, but man, it's just exhausting. And I think some of that has to do with why, uh, so many actors, uh, deal with a social, social situation, whether it's a networking event or something else by, uh, requiring a little liquid courage as Jean-Viev was saying. And I think you've got something to add. <laughs> yeah. I don't advocate that by the way, kids don't, don't, don't drink. <laughs> it's not, it's actually don't not deal, recommended. No, no. it is not endorsed by this podcast or by myself. Um, 
I think Stephen's point about competition is interesting. I, I think that almost like kind of one-upmanship also just comes from the ridiculous scarcity mentality we have in this country, especially about theater. Like, you know, there's no jobs. There's no jobs in film. There's no jobs anywhere. So when you get on that set, you better steal that other person's awesome move they just did. You better take that line out of their mouths. And I've had these things happen to me on set where someone who was more vocal, you know, that person who comes in and is immediately buddy-buddy with all the crew and just like, you know, networking, will you'll do a take. And she literally took a line out of my mouth. And then we moved on. And I was like, mm. I, what the what just happened there? Like, That's is no one... And... I've worked, I worked in the UK uh, for many years, and I mean, uh, Lord knows what it's like there now, <laughs> Brexit and stuff, mm. but there was government funding for theater, the film industry was set up in a different mm. way, and not that you're not going to meet jerk faces who want to climb on your back to look funny, like Michael's example, which is horrible, Michael, and I'm really sorry that happened to you, that's just bad. Um you know, not to say that won't happen, but it just felt like there was a little bit more pie to go around so people could be a little bit more collaborative. You know, it didn't have to be so cutthroat, like, me, 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 I'm the funniest, look at me, and I'll mm -hmm, shove you mm -hmm. down to get there. And I mean, you know, that's my individual experience. I'm sure everybody's had different ones, but I just wonder if we could be more generous to our artists in this country, if then the artists could be more generous to each other. I mean, just to jump on that, I've been thinking about this a lot just in, in terms of other things is the fact that, um, you know, if we look at the Toronto ecosystem, you look at Hamilton and some of the surrounding areas, there's a very limited number of theaters. For example, if we just look at the theater world specifically, because this is a theater podcast and there's really very few producing theaters as as things go. Um, and so there's very few jobs because they also tend to do smaller casts. And that's just, unfortunately, the nature of this this system that we have that is entirely funded, for the most part, by by grants and things like that. So that we're kind of in this situation where there's a it's a very small pie with very large pieces of that pie, and there's a, there's not a lot to go around. Carolyn, I saw your yes, hand up first. Uh, jumping off of Geneviève's um, um, comment about the competition. Um, and and Phil, your comment about Toronto having such a small theater world. Uh, I come from an even smaller theater world, Montreal. Um, you know where there you can count on both hands how many theater companies are out there. But for me, right now, it's it's huge Toronto, huge. You have the established companies, you have the commercial companies, you have the indie companies, and then you have the startup companies who are also doing things that are interesting. So for me, my point of view is, oh my God, there's just way too many. I think I'll just stay home. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and then, you know, going, I'm glad we, do, we don't, we rarely, or pandemic talk, we don't go into physical auditions anymore. I am very, very happy with self-tapes, whether it be for theater or film or TV. I am so happy with <laughs> self-tapes because going into a lobby when you see 50 of the same genre of you 
sitting there oh. vying for the same role? Fudge. That's competition right there. <laughs> and then I hear these people, these uh, these other actresses say that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm never in competition. Well, honey, there's only one mm. role. And of the 50, they're going to yeah. choose one. So you're going to steal my line, like riffing off of Genevieve? You're going to steal my line? Huh. Ugh, lobbies. Thank you, pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually, I mean, that, that, because the, the, the in-person audition is still a social situation where you are still on, you're still, you're essentially performing from the time you walk into the, the building where the audition is taking place and you're still trying to be, you're trying to be outgoing and friendly for everybody who's there. And it's such a, so difficult to do. Jess, I saw your hand up first. I I wanted to make a, a comment um, that was, it's funny, Carolyn, I come from even smaller than Montreal. <laughs> I, uh, I come from Niagara. We've got like maybe two or three professional companies. Um, so the opportunity is so scarce that I think I'm at this point where I am searching incredibly hard to find opportunities to build myself up professionally. And thankfully I, you know, I've, I found a, a writer's unit to get my, um, to get myself out there. Um, but as an introvert, it's such a strange place to say, I need more. Um, I, I need to be out there more. I need to push myself. I need to get out. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And, you know, being in Niagara, it's, you know, Toronto is a little bit of a journey. We, we don't, you know, I, driving was really my, uh, my only, um, mode of transportation that I have. And then you've got Hamilton. Mm. Um, but I've, I found myself in this wonderful challenge though, because before the pandemic, I, you know, it felt like there were so many opportunities, where did they all go? And, you know, it's great that things are, are videotaped, but at the same time, oh, videotape. Wow. <laughs> Show my age there. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, it's great that, that these things are digital, but at the same time though, I feel so far away from it all because I can't see anybody. I can't meet anyone. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, I saw you next. Yeah. Um, thinking about, uh, I, I heard the, the word, uh, jealousy and the, the word competition coming up and the, that's sort of what I was, uh, I guess trying to touch on earlier when I was thinking about, you know, why I, I found the whole thing kind of unhealthy for me and my personality type. And, Something that really set me off <laughs> was uh, the amount of times I would do a show, like, you know, the the rare time I would do a show that a lot of people saw or, you know, do an audition that people responded well to or whatever, perform something that people enjoyed. Um, they would, this recurring thing would happen to me where someone would come up to me after uh, or, you know, online maybe say something about this or like and say Kristen Zaza uh is is really great uh it's a shame we don't see her so much on stage or you know it uh why why don't people or why don't you do this more often <laughs> I would get a lot and it drove me crazy because first of all it's like obviously if I would I could you know the the problem is it's not 
I would ask the same question to the people I'm auditioning for or whatever. And we're in a, we're in a city where, you know, there's competition to do the, I, I, I don't want to um, put down any companies, but, or, or anything like that, but like where, where non-paying non-union work is hard. Like you have to fight mm. tooth and nail to get into, you know, let alone, uh, a professional company or a general to get noticed at a general audition for a big company or something like that, you know? And, uh, it would really, it was pretty, pretty heartbreaking and, and defeating after a while to hear like, wow, you're so great. You know, wh- why, why don't we see you around? It's an excellent question. And one, one that really, uh, got under my skin in the worst ways. And a lot of times these would be the same people who, when I would be in the room with them or something, you know, were the, the same ones not giving mm. me opportunities and even the like simplest level of things, you know, it's the, the competition, I think, um, uh, my, I, I don't have a knack for it and I don't enjoy it and I don't like what it mm-hmm, brings mm-hmm. out in me. And I think that that gets equated with a lack of ambition and, um, that's simply not true. You know, I think probably everybody in this room, if we're um, this virtual room, if we're associating ourselves as uh, introverts can can appreciate that, you know, um, especially because I think we are the first ones to start creating opportunities for mm. ourselves, because I, I think we see the we f- a feel the need and perhaps b feel a bit more comfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, as I look down the list here of everybody who's in this room, I know for a fact that everybody in this room uh, makes their own work in some way, whether they play right, whether they they're Mm. the collective create, where they perform and write and all of these sorts of things. Everybody in this room is in that position of doing that. And I don't think that's an accident for 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 the introvert creative urge. Michael, I saw your hand first. You might be muted, Michael. My apologies. Um, yeah. First of all, I would just like to second that self-tapes are amazing and the best thing to ever happen to my career. Auditions were a nightmare. Not only are they obviously hard uh, because there's so much competition, but living out in Durham, I was, I'm, I, it's like an hour there and back through the traffic, and then I've got to shake that off. And I'm confronted with a with a room full of people that uh, I'm very familiar with, who all are essentially me. Um, and the, I, I have this crippling feeling of not belonging, of uh, I don't know, sort of a dysmorphia almost. The more I think about. Uh, being there, the more I feel like I don't belong there. Um, so yes, self tapes, great. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do when uh, when we have to go back to uh, <laughs> in person. Um, but contradictorily, that like in contradiction to that, I also yearn for connection, and I really mm-hmm. enjoy rehearsal, and I really enjoy collaboration with collaborative people. Um, so it's this, I think going back to what you said, uh, Phil, that, uh, you work, you work well in smaller groups, not so well in larger groups. 
I would like to say I'm similar to you in that way, but um, I I need to sort of cultivate the group uh, mm-hmm. in order for me to feel comfortable enough to allow my um, extroverted side out. Um, but beyond that, how do we deal with all of this? You know. Like, are there tools mm. that people, that we can, that maybe you guys could give me? <laughs> what are the tools that people use to navigate the barriers that we place and are placed in front of us in, in these situations? I mean, that is, that is sort of, a, that's a great question. And I will, I will first off admit, uh, and Jess and I have talked about this pretty recently on, on our podcast, The Introvert's Guide too, about um, one of my issues when I'm going into some kind of social situation, uh, whether it's a party, a networking event or, 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 or any other kind of thing if, is, is um, there's this, this sense of, I think that, I think what you were expressing, Michael, about, about um, a lack of confidence. And in fact, there's a lot of negative self-talk that happens in my head uh, as I'm going or getting ready to go to something like that. And that's one of the things that I've, 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 I've learned to combat um, with the question as I'm thinking, you know, the most common one, Phil, no one likes you. Why would you bother going is examining that and thinking, look, wait, is that true? I know that there are people who like me and I know that some of them are going to be there. And again, that promise for only getting in the door for 15 minutes. Um, those are, those are definite, definite things that I do. Um, I think uh, solutions and, and, and tips and tricks we can start to start to work towards, but I know that Stephen and Jean-Vi have had something. Stephen, why don't you go first? Yeah. So I, I, I think for introverts, um, uh, the, the, the adage there strength in numbers is, is not, uh, is not true for us. But I, what I would say is there's, is there really is um, confidence in collaboration, right? And, and I think that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. Um, I mean, my, my sort of sense of, of finding my own voice as an artist, I think really only came about when I was able to find sort of um, uh, consistent partners who wanted to collaborate with me on creating new work, right? Like I, I was never one of these people that, I think I thought that, oh, I was going to be this person, this, this artist who was going to create stuff on my own, right? And, and, and you know, the, when the media covers artists, right, when, when Now Magazine puts someone on the cover of Now Magazine, it, it's very common that, that it's a specific artist that people are looking at. And I think that was an, an image in my head that I, had to, that I had to conform against. But really, I only came into my, 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 my voice, I think, when I started working with directors specifically in my case that, you know, were that I could work with one-on-one and then, you know, the two, the two of us could be a collaborative team. And then, you know, through that, I was able to work with actors and, and, and set designers and stuff like that. And, and, and what have you to bring, to bring pieces to life and to feel comfortable with myself and, and to kind of come out of my shell. So I really thought that the creation of, of work in collaboration with someone um, was always, um, for me, that was, was a really big, um, was a really big step forward. Um, in terms of sort of other strategies though, I, I think there's, I think there's also, um, once I, 
was able to, and I, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying, Phil, I think once I was kind of able to, to get away from judging myself, uh, and, and just frankly, being more comfortable with being an introvert in sort of a, a crowded party space, uh, like not forcing myself to be performative and, and go up to someone and, and make conversation for the sake of making conversation, but like going to a party and hanging around the, the snack table and, and, you know, putting food on the plate and sitting down and just being comfortable with that. And whoever comes up and talks to me will talk to me. And if not, whatever, um, that's that I, that's not always worked. Um, uh, but, but it, it's worked a whole heck of a lot better than, um, than forcing myself to go up to someone that I didn't know that I thought I should have a conversation with and then walking away from that conversation, feeling even worse than I did, uh, beforehand. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's one of the things about about those networking events is and and parties and things like that, all these things that we quote unquote should do is um, there is a tendency in in the industry, unless it's like a a, a reception after an opening, for example, um, to show up to those things a little later, which always means that everybody is a couple of drinks in and you might not because you're, you're, you're Mm -hmm. just arriving. Um, I always find, or I think that it's better to show up early, but then that's me. I'm a, I'm, I'm one of those annoying people who shows up to things early. And uh, uh, what that allows you to do is to sort of like get the lay of the room and find your spot and just sort of like figure like you can see who's coming in, but uh, not it's a little less uh, uh, tense and a little less uh, uh, intimidating than if you walk into the room that's already full. Uh, Jean-Viève. Uh, yeah, um, I maybe this can maybe people can take courage from this. I recently sort of discovered uh, that a, you can email a lot of people during the pandemic and they will talk to you happily when maybe they wouldn't have beforehand. Um, especially if you're just radically open and honest and you're like, Hey, I really love your work or, Hey, I've sent you a couple of things and you've never seen me. Can we like have a little chat about that? And I feel much better pitching by email. I feel like there's no stakes if they never get back to me and they, they, they have actually (laughs) because of the pandemic. But the second thing, which can maybe help, or I don't know, maybe it's terrible, is when I did speak to some of those people I emailed and I was like, hey, so, you know, why hasn't it ever happened for us, basically? Um, And they were like, oh, we just thought you were really self-contained and arrogant and didn't need us. (laughs) And I was like, oh, no, I was scared. (laughs) I was not confident (laughs) and aloof and knew what I was doing. I was just terrified of approaching you. So I think it's, and I, I kind of, I mean, obviously that's not awesome either, but I gained a bit of confidence that I was like, okay, nobody knows what you feel. Nobody knows if you feel Mm. a little intimidated there, they might be intimidated by you. Um, And you Mm. know, that kind of released me from having to be cool. And I can, you know, I can, I can find a, 
a way forward that's not so scary through kind of goofy honesty with people. Like I, that one's easy for me. It's accessible. So once we can get there, then we can build a real relationship. Right. But it, it's just, it, it was just a funny moment for me. I'm like, here I am thinking that they don't want to talk to me and I'm, I suck and I'm an imposter. And meanwhile, they're just like, well, she just doesn't need us. She thinks she's awesome with her, you know? So it's just a, mm. it's, it was a, it was a humbling reminder that, uh, that, you know, they, nobody knows anything about anybody. No. I want to, I want to jump in because Stephen, Stephen has in the chat has put, has put introversion mistaken for arrogance. And I want to point out that, um, that's, that's it. Sometimes it's not arrogant. Sometimes it's mystery, but sometimes it's arrogance, right? There's, there's like this thing that happens with the introvert that keeps to themselves. In some ways there are people who are like, now what are they actually thinking? What's going on over there? But in some ways we can be intimidating in that way. Now think about that and how much anxiety we often have in those situations that in some ways the people that we are intimidated by are intimidated by us. That would uh, the other thing I would say is I was talking with uh, Jackie Maxwell years ago and she said, here's the secret. And she said, I tell everyone the secret and I'm telling you the secret. It's important to know. The secret is that people want to help you. All you have to do is ask. And whether it is, do you have, do you, could I buy you a coffee and we can sit down and chat? Whether it's, it's, you know, I just, I just, you know, I had some questions. People will almost always say yes. I have in the course of six years of doing this podcast, never had anybody say no to coming on the podcast. People are genuinely interested in, 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 in doing things and, and helping out. And so just even shooting an email that says, Hey, can we, I've seen you in this, I have some questions. Can we sit down? They will almost always say yes. And that's a fascinating thing. Carolyn. Uh, yeah. Um, that Judeo-Christian saying, ask and ye shall receive. It is so true. But to even get there, <laughs> to even say, okay, I need help on this. I see the person mm. that has the skill or whatever to help me. And that person may be, in my mind, up high on some pedestal. I am not worthy. That's what my where my brain goes. I am not <laughs> worthy. I am not worthy. So what happens, like Geneviève says, you know, I have this resting face that looks like I'm arrogant. Um, you know, <laughs> for those who don't know me, I am Asian. So my features might look a bit harsh when I'm not smiling. <laughs> and then all these people think, oh, oh, that's Carolyn. That's Carolyn. She's, she's, uh, yeah. She's good on her own. She doesn't need help. Well, I do need help. I'm dying inside. But <laughs> how do, it's always that, how do I break through to ask that person for help? Please, somebody in this round table, please tell me. Here's what I, here's what I will jump in and I will say is it's important to remember because what Jackie Maxwell was saying is true. People want to help you keep that in mind that you know what you could say listen i'm i i there's i you know been around for a while I've, i have questions can you help email is certainly like don't pick up the phone and and you know as as i'm speaking to a room full of introverts nobody's picking up the phone but it's the idea of 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 sending that email can also be intimidating but just remember 
mo- they people are want to help, and so you can ask that question. And you, if if you if you, you know, write it out a couple of times, send it to an, a friend, and say, if I send this to so and so, what do you think? And if you can, send it to another introvert because if you have an extroverted friend, they might tell you to do something, say something else. But like, just 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 like, send the email. I know whenever I send one of those emails, I'm always stressed before I do it, but I've never been disappointed by, by the outcome. Steve. Yeah, I would just second that. I, I was, um, and I, I, I think I wish I had, I wish I had had the courage and, and had known basically had heard that, that piece of advice you just told me, um, a lot earlier in my career. Um, because, uh, you know, uh, the, the, I, it, I'm all, I always think, oh, it's going to be so much harder than it actually will be. Um, but, um, but you know, the, 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 the times that I've, I've, you know, sent an email to an artistic director or a literary uh, manager at a, at a company or, or, or even, or, or even artists that whose work I've, 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 um, I've admired, um, you know, have, have all responded. Oh yeah, sure. Why, why don't we get together here and here? And, and I, mean, I, I, I will, I recall one time I, I, I sent a script to, um, to, uh, to the artistic director of a, of a, of a theater. It didn't go anywhere, but it did, it did open up a, a dialogue. Um, and I was always really surprised by, by that, by how, um, not easy it was, but how, how, um, uh, less painful it, it was, um, like the anxiety before, you know, mounting up to that, the, the actual action was, was far, was far more than, than the actual, um, uh, act itself. And so I, I, I would, I would, um, echo your, your suggestion. I mean, it's just sending an email and, and, and just reaching out, uh, is, um, is a good thing because it makes me wonder, yeah. well, how many of us in the community really are introverts but are just being performative as extroverts, right? For because we're in the theater and we have to be performative in some way, shape, or form. We have to put on a show um, because, weirdly enough, a lot of people that I meet in this industry, when I meet with them face to face, either tell me, "Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm a very private person," or you know, I don't really like the, I don't really like industry parties or what have you, or very obviously. Uh, are you know my type of people, so it's uh, it's a it's a bit of a thing. It is a it is it is a fasc- it is a fascinating thing to think about, and I can tell you that it, you know in six years of doing this show, I've spoken probably to more introverts than extroverts, but. I think there are some people who mask it better. Some people mask it by throwing, uh, you know, again, the little Dutch courage or which again, we don't endorse or recommend. Um, <laughs> but um, there are, there's, there's a little bit of, of, of um, the idea of, of if I go to, if I, if I'm at a fringe festival, if I'm looking around, there are people who do it so well, like the, the, the flyering lines and all that sort of thing. I think to myself, they absolutely, must be extroverts they must be and for the most part they are otherwise i've seen them with their head between their knees hyperventilating psyching themselves up to hit the line there's the two kinds and you can almost spot them doing it but some people are just there's also the um there's also 
uh, the ambivert, which is another thing entirely. Entirely, uh, 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 Carolyn, it's an excellent question. What is a flyering line uh, when people are uh, at the Fringe Festival and they line up outside uh, the the venue? Something that happens in in a lot of French festivals but not all Montreal does not line up for example um at least when I was there there were no lines people just sort of showed up when the show was about to start uh but we go to the line as performers and presenters and uh go through the line uh handing out flyers uh to try to get people to come to our show so we go to another show's line and try to get them to come to the show uh Jean-Viev, I know you had some thoughts Oh, just just more uh, on how to motivate yourself to send that email. This works for me, um, and it speaks to what a, a bad person I am. But if ever I get really jealous of a peer, like you know, I see something on Facebook or I hear that so and so's show has just been made on CBC, and I feel really bad about myself and start going, "Well, wow, you don't have a book published like they do. You're the same age, and you're not at Stratford." That's when I schedule an email <laughs> to someone because hmm. I'm like, I got to, I have that energy and it's negative energy and it spurs me. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's do something positive rather than mm. sitting here and spiraling. And that works really well. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a mean, jealous person. <laughs> I mean, I, one of the things that, that I have, I mean, you know, the whole, like the whole idea of networking parties, that sort of thing. Um, I'm pretty good at sending emails now, although I will, I will admit Every time I am about to send one of those emails, I'm still stressed out. So that's just a fact of, of doing it. And oh, I, I have some anxiety. Always. always. But I, I definitely, uh, uh, I've, I've learned how to, how to do it. And I know that it's usually going to, it's going to turn, it's going to turn out fine. With those parties and, and networking things, like Jess and I have said so often on the Introvert's Guide too, um, the, the promise, even if, if you have trouble getting there, the promise of uh, of that you only have to stay for 15 minutes is such a good way to get yourself in the door. Um, and then once you're there, it chances are you will either find somebody that you know, a nice extrovert to adopt you and take and, and sort of like be your shield in the room. Or if you look around the edge of the room, you'll find the other introverts that you can, then those are your people and you can go talk to them. And you may actually be surprised about who the introverts in that room are. Like they might be people that you thought were extroverts and there they are. And, and, and now you, now you have something in common with them, something you can discuss. And chances are you're going to have some better conversations with the introverts than you would the extroverts anyway. I've said it once and I'll say it again, Phil. I still think you need a smoke bomb to leave a party. Oh, come on. You I, absolutely do. Listen, uh, and, and what, what Jess is referring to is is um, I'm a big believer in uh, what's known as, uh, in some circles, the Irish goodbye. And that is I come in, I make sure, you know, I'll say hello to whoever the host is, and I go. And if the 15 minutes are up and I've decided that I, I need to go, I'm gone. I don't say goodbye. They saw me come in. Later on, they might be like, when did Phil leave? But I don't worry about that. I just get out because I'm done. Um, any, anybody else have, have other tips? I feel like so many wonderful points were said. I'm trying to think of something. <laughs> <laughs> Michael. So 
this is a bit performative, but uh, I found when my uh, shyness is getting a bit too much, when when the uh, when I'm feeling particularly introverted and I'm going into an audition, um, that I have a conversation with myself in the car or outside of the room before I've started to interact with any of the other people I'm auditioning with. Um, and, and it's a bit of a mind trick, but I convince myself that I don't really want this job. And I, go, I make a list in my head of uh, the reasons why this job isn't, isn't right for me, how it's a big waste of my time. And it's a, it's a mind trip. Like it's a bit of a bit of a trick of the mind, but when I when I get into the room, I often find and and it has been successful for me on a few occasions that I enter with a quality um, that draws people in mm. um, that I that I wouldn't normally have, and that I don't know. There's that human. I, I think this is naturally human reaction that it, people have. In the way that um, the heart sometimes wants the thing it cannot have, mm. coming in mm. with this idea that um, I have better things to do, <laughs> let's get this over with, <laughs> has given me a, a confidence, which has actually um, helped me book a few few gigs over the years. Hmm. Hmm. Jess, I think something that helps me. And, and especially in this, uh, when speaking about the um, the jealousy uh, in specific, um, specifically with the jealousy. Sorry, I tripped over my words there. Um, there is room for everybody in this field. As much as the jobs are scarce and it can be competitive, um, like Phil said, a lot of us are creators. We do create our own work and we collaborate. And when I see others achieving something that I wanted, or um, they went out and got it before I could even think of doing something that incredible, I just remember that there is room for me too. Uh, although I move at a different pace, although my needs are going to be different, I know that I am valid as an artist, even when I am not creating. I I'm still an artist and I still have that capability within myself. Mm. Um, so I think just finding ways to have that little tool belt of self-reassurance and, and good affirmations as an artist is really a good form of self-care as well. Because I, I think introverted uh, introverted artists definitely need that little, little self-pat on the back that we're, we're doing better than we think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation is there is that perception that, that, that actors are extroverts and, and sometimes as introverts, we sometimes think we're the only ones out there that there are so few of us and it's so not true. As we could see, there are so many people that I couldn't fit into this conversation who reached out and said that they uh, uh, are introverts and they'd love to have the, have the conversation. And it's just a fact that there's probably more of us than we think. So, um, you know, if, if you, you know, you, there's, you know, seven people as a part of this conversation who you as a listener now know are introverts. And so now you know that you're not alone as an introvert. And, um, that's, that's, uh, 
something to know. And also, like now, you know, watch the corners of the room, watch the edges of the room. That's where your people are. And that's such a, an important thing. If you ever see me at an event, first off, if you see me at some kind of social event, understand that I might be near the end of my 15 minutes that I promised myself, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't come over. Um, and you can use the secret word, the secret passphrase, which is, I hate these things, don't you? And I 100% will 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 you know i'll welcome you into whatever is happening because i understand you're my people there's an interesting thing about the things that we interpret our our uh introversion as because sometimes as jess and i have discussed on our podcast is about um sometimes anxiety goes along along with the 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 introversion and we can think of the we can think of our introversion as as a as a deficit as some kind of uh, a, a bad thing and often we can give it an unhealthy name such as cowardice which it absolutely is not remember that this is just a way of how you you interact with the world you get your energy from a different place than extroverts do you communicate in a slightly different way. And sometimes it just takes a little more to get you in the room, but that is 100% not cowardice. It's, it's listening. Remember, listening is our superpower as introverts. So it puts us into, uh, whenever we walk into a space, we're more aware of what's going on and we're more aware of the things that are happening around us and we're listening better. Um, just, to, just to throw that out there. Uh, as we draw to a close, does anybody have any final thoughts before we end tonight? Carolyn. Um, I think you nailed it on the head when you said listening. We are sponges. We, we get the vibe of the room. We get the feel of the room. Through whatever insecurities we have, we are that much more open. And again, referring back to this, these Judeo-Christian sayings, which I am not a practice, I don't practice, <laughs> it's um, the meek shall inherit the earth. Mm. I think, yeah, listening and then inheriting whatever is surrounding us. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's interesting because you, you you talk about about the listening and all of that sort of stuff. The the sensitivity is another way of putting it. Uh, in Susan Cain's book Quiet, she describes the introverted child as a highly sensitive child, or that that introverts are highly sensitive, and so that is the thing. When we walk into a room full of people. In some ways, we are overwhelmed by all of the things that's going on. It's uh, it's an excellent book, and I do recommend it. Quiet by Susan Cain. It's such a great book for any introvert to read. Uh, Jean-Viev, I think you have some thoughts too. I was just going to say, I think we should get T-shirts made for the introverts, and we can all just <laughs> you could you could sell them, fill them. You'll just slap one on at a networking event, and then you'll just look for people <laughs> wearing <laughs> or give each other See? like a secret handshake or something. Just a t-shirt that says introvert or a button. You could just like have this nice little subtle, subtle button that just says introvert. It would have to and... be subtle, right? Because the introvert would never put the t-shirt on in the first place. 
place. That's right. Want. But if you get like a button that says that's like the uh, an introvert symbol or it says introvert on it, because we're looking for that sort of thing, you'll see it. You'll be like, ah, that's I right. need to talk to that person. Right. I love it. <laughs> I would probably wear the introvert t-shirt just to just to 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 be that kind of annoying person but I it's it's a probably a good idea. Um just to, we're about to to wrap up so if anybody has anything else that they want to say uh now is your time. Just thank you Phil. This has been uh, this has been wonderful. Uh, quite thank cathartic. Thank you. Thank you all of you. And I I I would say uh, to anybody who's listening uh take note of the people who are who are participating in this, know that they are your people. Know that I'm your people. Um, if you're an introvert, um, if you have questions uh, about being an introvert in the industry, reach out. Um, if you're writing a letter and you write an email to somebody and you're like, I need a pair of introverted eyes to look over this message, um, I'm happy to look it over. I'll take a look. Just don't inundate me too much, but um, I'm happy to look those over. Uh, and for you, so for you, so you could send those off, Jess. So unrelated, but just as a little thing here, an introverted roundtable, and yet this has been the like so organized, <laughs> well, <laughs> well articulated comments. Everyone's just been so lovely. <laughs> awesome! Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for for having this conversation. It's it's been wonderful. Uh, and uh, I look forward to when we can see each other at a distance sometime in the future. 